hear me okay? All right. I'm Aaron DuBois. I'm an alcoholic. Good to be here with you. If I'm honest, no, I didn't want to come up. I was quite comfortable sitting over there listening to all the speakers that came before me, to be honest with you. Um, it might be worth noting that uh, if you're nervous and you're going to get up and do something, you might not want to have one of these smartwatches to constantly tell you how nervous you are. That's who's beeping at you. You know, your heart rate's elevated. You're like, sit down, relax. And it's saying, breathe, breathe. I'm like, that's good advice, but I don't have time. Um, anyway, so uh, it's really, it's, it's great to be here with y'all. Um, it's an honor. It's, uh, I appreciate uh, what the speaker shared earlier. Um, it was a difficult act to follow, but uh, it, it was amazing. I mean, it recharges, it recharges me, and that's uh, why I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're in person. Um, you know, this, this group of people, like-minded people, you know, we're trying to um, live sober. You know, and trying to develop a better relationship with our with our higher power, and you know, and um, activities like this, and uh, you know, our speakers hit on it earlier that you know that in person thing that happens, that language of the heart that happens when when one alcoholic talks to another. You know, even whether we're out there or we're out there or we're in here, um, I think that's you know, I don't I don't know that that can be replaced. You know. I guess substituted at times when needed, but I don't know that it can be replaced. So, again, um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be here, to be honest with you. Um, took a few years, but uh, that's, that's another talk. And, uh, anyway, uh, again, uh, so I told you I'm Aaron, I'm an alcoholic, and um, my sobriety date is uh, December 1st, 2002. Um, I'm a member of the Cleveland 12-step group of Alcoholics Anonymous. We meet in Clayton uh, on Wednesday nights. We'd love to have you. We're in person, um, and it's a good, small group, and we cover the traditions, the steps, um, AA literature. Uh, we have a speaker meeting and uh, where everybody is welcome, and uh, we study AA history on our fifth Wednesday or some other AA-related topic. Um, I'll be honest with you. When I was asked to, to talk, uh, you know, thank you for asking me <laughs> uh, about, you know, home group and, you know, as a spiritual entity, you know, I'm like, I was kind of blown away. I was started, once I started thinking about what I was going to say and what my experience was with a home group, it just all came together. I mean, I, and it was hard for me to kind of formulate a, a cohesive thought because it's just all one, one way of life. You know, it all blends together. The steps blend with the traditions. They blend with your home group. They blend with spirituality. You know, I'm, I'm sharing my experience. Um, it was really hard to just hone in on what that might look like, you know. So what I did is I put together a 27-page PowerPoint, and they're going to—they're going to put it up there now. We're going to—we're going to go over detail what what a proper home group should have in it, you know. And there'll be some pamphlets and, and some uh, checklists you can take out with you, and uh, you can check your home group when you get out of here. But. What, what, what it boiled down for me is, you know, I'm going to share a little bit about what I was like, um, how I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, and what a home group has done for me in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. Um, and that looks like a lot of different things um, for me. But I'm going to start, you know, with that basic word, home. You know, you're going to hear a lot of that, and I'm just going to qualify. I don't know if I'm going to do it exactly in five minutes like Steve did, but it's going to be close, um, maybe seven. Don't time it. Um, I don't need that pressure. My watch will start beeping at me. Um, but so I, um, I came, my parents divorced when I was young. 
seven years old. And the best I remember in my home life was good up to that point. You know, there was a lot of issues. I don't recall them, but it was hidden pretty well from me. Um, but at the age of seven, all that changed, you know. I no longer felt like I fit in that group. You know, I felt like an outcast. I was the youngest by a lot of years. Um, everybody just kind of scattered, and uh, I kind of fended for myself. Now, that's not to say there wasn't a whole lot of people that loved me a great deal and tried to help me, but something changed in me. You know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't feel it. I couldn't identify it. I couldn't, I couldn't participate in it, you know. So I just felt like an, like an absolute, you know, outsider. Um, so I, I did the best I could with that, you know. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of stories, but that, I'm not really here to tell you all that. But I can tell you at the age of 16, I started drinking alcoholically because uh, my mind just wouldn't stop telling me everything was wrong. That, you know, that my family had wronged me. That, 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 you know, that broken home I came from was just the reason I felt so ill and discontented and dark inside and lonely. And, and uh, when I started drinking alcoholically, alcohol fixed a lot of that for me, you know. It was a spiritual experience for me for a lot of years. Um, alcohol was my new family, you know. Uh, it really was. I, uh, I, I defended it to the very end. I put up a valiant fight, you know. I was willing to look at everything else in my life as, as a culprit to why I was so ill, but not alcohol. It wasn't until those final moments, those final moments when I was at home detoxing in the ice storm in 2002 where I had that moment of clarity that said, you know, if you don't stop drinking, you're not going to have, I didn't, you're not going to have any kind of life. Um, and it was as clear as nose on my face. Um, I can tell you that Coming from that broken home, and I had visions and dreams, and I used to daydream about what my life was going to look like one day. It was going to, it was going to, you know, it was going to look a lot different than what my experience was uh, growing up. Um, it was going to look like, uh, you know, well, let me just say this: by the time I found Alcoholics Anonymous, I had all that. I had a wife. I had a son and a daughter. I had a new home. The fence was yellow and the dog, the fence was white and the dog was yellow. You know, I mean, it was like, it was everything I had aspired to want in a family and in, in, a, in a home. And I was trashing it. I had, I, at every turn, I was absolutely just destroying it. And I really couldn't identify why. Um, I was not of any use to that, to that group, to that home. I mean, I, although I tried, I tried to identify a lot of things that were my problem. Um, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, you know, that, that jumping off place, you know, uh, how, how we got there. You know, we were sharing our experience. And I had been in a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot worse trouble, a whole lot of times before that time that I decided that I was going to get some help from my drinking. So I don't know why or when that I, what God, you know, deems that that's an inappropriate time to get sober. but. I'm grateful we did. Um, and, you know, we also talked about that you got to be beat up pretty good. You know, I know our speakers earlier this morning shared that, that I, I had to be really beaten down emotionally, beaten down. Because if there was any will to fight left in me, I'd still be drinking, you know. Um, that much I'm pretty clear of. Um, and I'm sure I, I wouldn't be alive today, you know. Um, so... 
I detoxed in, in that ice storm of 2002 um, after 20 years of drinking alcoholically and doing all kinds of crazy stuff um, that shouldn't, I shouldn't be alive after, you know, putting myself in a lot of dangerous positions, you know, um, you know, just doing, living a crazy life. Um, but when I, when I received in my home the love of my wife when I was detoxing, after I had threatened to take her life, you know, a weeks before, and she put me on the track and she read her, you know, her scriptures to me and she was pretty religious at the time and, uh, and prayed with me and told me that I wasn't going crazy and that I wasn't, you know, uh, I wasn't losing my mind and the things I was seeing weren't real. And, you know, she'd settle me down and have to do it all again in a few minutes, you know. Um, thank God for that. Thank God that that love was available in that home for me. Although I couldn't see it, connect to it, or participate in it at that time, you know. I assure you that that is not the case today, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I really just wanted to set the tone for what home looked like for me. You know, what did that, that place look like for me, that place of comfort look like for me? And after the age of seven to the time I got an alcoholic anonymous, I don't recall having it, you know. Um, so I, I recall, you know, getting sober in that ice storm, and I really, really wanted to find... Um, I needed to find a solution, and they, I had been to the out, outpatient program, and they gave me this book about 18 pages long of all these anonymous groups that you can participate in. So I can tell you that I went through I, and, and systematically called everyone in that, in that binder and tried to get some help because I was suffering, you know. I mean, I, I didn't have any of that stuff in me, and, and it was like there was a, this new world. And uh, I'll tell you who I got. I got a, I got a, a guy over at the, Holly Hill. I got him on the phone, I, I, I just dumped on him, I unloaded on him, you know, and this guy, after a pause, he said, well, I, I'm just a janitor, <laughs> but he said, I'll pray with you, and, uh, and I said, okay, and he prayed with me, and uh, I was able to move on, you know, I mean, it was just that powerful, I mean, you know, so it's pretty clear that, you know, we can't put a... We can't put a measurement or, or whatever, you know, God's going to do with a little bit of right action on our part, he's going to do. You know, my job is just to step up and do that, you know. So I had to, I had, uh, now I had the power of God behind me, and I had a little, a little sobriety, like three days, and, uh, and I was on a mission, right, finding a group, find a, find a, a, meet, a place to go. So I, uh, I was calling around, calling around, and I, again, I got this woman over to the inner group who said that, um, there was no power. I was looking for a meeting. I had called there about 25 times, you know, um, and she finally picked up the phone. I'm like, I didn't even ask, who are you? Are you a janitor? You know, do you, you know, you, whatever you are, please help me. And she did. And she said that, hey, there's going to be a meeting tonight at, uh, at the, I think it was the Cary uh, Beginners Group in, at the TAC. There's no power, because there hadn't been no power for a while. And but if you can get there, I'll introduce you to the, uh, some of the men. And that was my first ex exposure to what that looked like, you know. Those people had been there waiting for me. They were part of a group that I heard mentioned today. Um, they were part of, you know, uh, I can't speak to whether it was a meeting or a home group, but they were there for me. The traditions were alive. 
um, and they received me. I showed up there. I about killed myself to get there. I mean, I had to dig my truck out of the ditch like three times on the way there, and, and uh, it was just all ice, and I, had to, I didn't know where I was. You didn't have GPS at the time, so it was like, you know, I'm trying to read a map and drive, and I'm, uh, I can assure you I was not street legal at that time. I mean, uh, you know, to be driving around crying and blowing snot bubbles out my nose. I mean, it's like, and, uh, and trying to shift that truck. It, it was not a pretty sight, but... So I showed up at that group. Man, it's already 15 minutes gone, Jerry. And uh, so I showed up at that group, and uh, and um, and they were there. And uh, you know, I, I I met up with some of the folks, and um, you know, they they surrounded me, you know, and kind of got me, you know, set up, and and just tried to help me, and um, gave me some phone numbers, and um, I was in awe of the attention they gave me. You know, they were, they were attentive that what I needed. They didn't ask anything from me. Um, they just were there. They didn't ask what my illness was or what was going on or, or why I was crying or, you know, any of that stuff. They just offered me hope, you know. And I left there feeling pretty charged, you know. I don't know what night that was, maybe Friday. That following Saturday, people from that group got up with me, called me, and we went to another meeting somewhere. I don't exactly remember where. Um, and then I, that, that following Sunday, uh, I'd asked this guy, you know, if he was available to kind of help me, but he said he was, too, he was pretty busy and that he probably wouldn't be able to do it, which was fine. Um, I didn't know what that meant. I, I don't know that I was smart enough to get my feelings hurt at that time. But, <laughs> but uh, so I showed up at, at uh, what was going to be my home group for the, for the next uh, 11 years that Sunday night. And I walked in and, uh, you know, um, I was a mess. I intuitively knew you had something and there was something safe about that place and I could let my guard down. And that might have been because uh, I walked up to, to Richard Page and Jerry over there in the corner and I said, hey, uh, you know, how you doing? You know, and we had a conversation and, and uh, they asked me how I was doing. I said I thought I was, felt like I was going crazy. And, uh, and, I, and I remember they told me, they asked me how long I'd been sober, and I don't think it'd been more than four or five, six days. And they said, well, you probably are. And uh, I said, yeah. I mean, they identify, you know. And, uh, you know, that, that group uh, was, that home group was, was uh, magical. You know, uh, what I found there um, was just absolute acceptance. I was broken, and they just loved me right on in, you know. Um, after that meeting, they, they, those gentlemen and, and got me aside, and it was like I could almost see it. I'm probably making a bigger deal than it is, but, like, people were, like, you know, huddling around me, you know, because I was, like, really, I was a mess, you know. Like, I had all this stuff going on, you know. And I can tell you that previously to walking out and putting the alcohol down, I had, you know, I was a sole provider for my family. I had a, a business. Um, I worked full time. Um, I was an electrical contractor. I had a, I had all these things that on the outside appeared like I had it together, you know. And, and I was I was sharing earlier that I was just so emotionally damaged and spiritually bankrupt that I, I had nothing left to go, you know. I mean, from the picture that was painted was not a realistic. Um, explanation on, on where I was or what was going on with me. Um, so when I put down alcohol, I couldn't hardly focus. I couldn't function. It was like I had just reversed. I had just stalled, you know. I mean, I really, I couldn't even, you know, 
perform at any kind of level, and there's a lot of funny, goofy stories about that, but I'm not going to bore you with them all. But um, So that group was alive and well, and uh, what it really showed me initially was that, hey, there's a place for me in this world. I had no idea. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't cohesive enough to identify with the things you were saying. You know, I was, I was a blur and I was a mess, but I felt like I belonged. So I, that's, that's something that you can't describe. That's something, that's a spiritual feeling, I think, that occurs in a home group. That's that spiritual entity. You know, that's that passing, uh, you know, surpassing, you know, language that you can describe that. You know, it's just... It's a spiritual uh, condition that occurs. I'm not saying it occurs in all home groups, but it was alive in that home group when I got there. And I'm grateful for that. So it was really, at that point, I had no idea how to live or function without alcohol. None. And we read a lot of cool spiritual stuff in the beginning of our meetings, but the truth is, I don't think it was, you know, maybe six months over before I started listening to it, you know, because I'm like, get there, I hit that chair, and I'm absolutely just safe. The rest of the world is just going to pause for a little while. I can breathe, and, you know, so never in my life had I felt that, you know, that acceptance, you know. Um, I wanted what they had. I wanted to be a part of that, you know. I wanted to contribute. So, you know, I... I I don't claim any credit for, for finding sponsorship that, that has, has uh, shown me the way and, and the men in the program and, and the women in that home group and just in general. I don't think that, I mean, I just stumbled in there with an honest desire to, to get help and God put those people in my, in my life. I mean, that's just my experience, you know. Um, you know, so far I haven't spiritually outgrown my sponsor, so that's good. I haven't had to fire him, and uh, and you know, and and home groups are they're what I make of them. You know, they're what I bring to them. So you know, they should never be stalled. If they're stalled, then I see it. Shame on me. You know, I should be constantly being attentive to that and moving that ball forward. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But um, I watch what these men do, and they immediately. You know, in that group, it was a three legacy group. I mean, they immediately put me to work. You know, I showed up at that church. I didn't know. I'm going to just, uh, full disclosure, I had no idea I, I could, like, pick and choose to do what I wanted to do. I thought it was the mandate of Alcoholics Anonymous that I listened to this man. And when he said, when the doors are open, be there, be there early. And, and, and clean up and be the last to leave. I mean, we would show up there and they would be like, we would be mopping the floors. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm too scared to say anything, but I'm thinking, why are we doing this? Everybody's going to spill coffee all over this place. You know, they're, they're, it's going to be a wreck in about an hour and a half. But it was to serve everyone. It was to give them a nice place to come, a, a clean environment. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was getting out of ourselves and preparing that meeting place for, for those that were going to come in the door, you know, making sure there was toilet paper in the women's room. I mean, come on, who does that? You know? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I did it. You know? And I found that there wasn't always toilet paper in the women's room, so you're welcome. And, uh, but, but, you know, they taught me, they taught me that when I show up there, it's not just sit on my backside and, uh, 
and wait and, and it's like get to work, you know, or the floor's clean or the bathroom's set, is the literature out, is the coffee made. Doesn't matter if it's my job. It doesn't matter if it's my week show up and, and do those things. Now, I'm going to tell you, they didn't just tell me to do that. I don't know that they ever told me to do that. I showed up and I tried to do what they did, you know. Um, I don't recall any great lectures. I, I was just so desperate that I wanted to do what they were doing. I wanted to be a part of that magic that, that was there. Um, but thank God for that. Um, you know, that group, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've said this before, but I, I really genuinely am passionate about the traditions and what they've done for me in my, in my personal life. Um, you know, and, and home groups are the same way, and, but they're all wrapped together, you know. Once you launch from, you know, the, the second part of that 12 step, like Steve talked about, practicing these principles in all our affairs, and like Sarah talked about, you, uh, what's next but to practice traditions? Know them, work them, I mean, not work them really, but practice them and live them in your life, you know. Um, and I saw that start to occur in the group. I mean, um, I saw them being busy. I saw them being, uh, you know, worried about the next guy. Um, it was pretty clear that after the meeting ended that I wasn't supposed to get with my buddy George or, or go try, I was to be on the prowl and look out for a, home, uh, you know, a newcomer or maybe somebody just looked distressed and try to be of service, you know. Um, I would never would have thought of those things on my own. I mean, I assure you, that was not my nature. I, I was watching and I was watching and I was watching. Um, and I, I was afraid that if I didn't do exactly what they were doing, that I was going to get what I had. And that absolutely scared, to death, scared me to death. There, there, was, there was no going back. There was a bridge I could jump off of, but there was no going back and fitting back into that old life. It was just broken. It was dust. I mean, I had burned it to the ground. There was just no more second chances. There was just, there was nothing to do but go forward, you know. So, you know, that home group, that home group gave me a lot of opportunities, you know, and I could see the traditions were alive, you know. And there's a, there's a few things that, that I'd like to say about that is that I've seen, you know, I've seen what it looks like to, to uh, live and survive with a group of people when you have different personalities and everybody's on different pages, they have different opinions, they have different beliefs. Um, and one, one, one instance comes out. we had this, this, this guy, he was just, I guess he was a self-proclaimed, maybe he was atheist or agnostic, but, and he always had the goofiest things to say, you know, and they weren't in line with what my sponsor said, you know, so I'm like ready, I'm always in the corner, you know, I'm like still thinking like a street thug, and you know, <laughs> wanting to say, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm taking, I got my sponsors back in that group of men there, you know, I mean, Tony was there, and, I mean, uh, so he, he brought up at a business meeting that he didn't want to say the Lord's Prayer at the end of our meeting. And, like, man, I was ready to take him out and just do the group's dirty work. <laughs> I got this, guys. You know, just let me take care of this one for you. And, uh, but what happened was the group said, okay, just bringing up his new business at the business meeting. I'm like, Wow. That's pretty big. Aren't you afraid? I'm afraid. You know, why don't change this thing? Why does he want to do that, you know? So the group went head at it, head on. He brought up his new group business, and the group, we had a business meeting just wrapped around it. And 
I was like, I was in awe that they would conquer and take on and tackle and discuss such a, you know, such a topic, you know. I just thought it was just absolutely absurd, you know, why you would even consider that guy. Just, you know, get him a bus ticket, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, that was my mentality. But they did, they listened, and uh, so the group, I watched the group conscious, they voted, you know, the group voted. And then, you know, I was like, yes, you know, we won, right? That's real spiritual. I can assure you nobody else was acting that way, you know. But then, then what happened was they asked if the minority wanted to speak. And, and, and two or three people got up, but two, two women in particular shared why they didn't want to read the Lord's Prayer. And I assure you that I had not even considered that, those possibilities. And I was moved by their honesty and, and their, um, these were good members. I mean, these were not people that were part of the group that I just wanted to strangle. You know, these were solid members. And, uh, and, and it moved me and they shared those reasons. I mean, it didn't change anything with the vote, but it, it, was, it was a profound experience for me to realize that what I heard when the minority spoke, I believe was the voice of God. I mean, I, I heard, I, I broke through that barrier of my own perceptions and stubbornness and ideals and to listen to another human being who has a, sort of a differing opinion and, and I understood it. I was really, I was really it, was, it, was, it was profound for me and I still remember it today. And there were good reasons. Um, and then after that meeting, everybody kind of hugged and shook hands and I'm like, man, this is a really odd place. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am glad to be a part of it, but like, wow. I mean, to conduct business that way is pretty incredible. Um, Mm. So, I learned that, to carry that, that principle in my life, that I need to listen to the underdog opinion, whether I'm in my home, at work, whether I'm on, you know, uh, in my uh, community, you know, whether I'm on the, the soccer field with my kids. I mean, I, I need to just be mindful that people's opinions although they may differ from mine, have equal value. And, and, they're, and they're based very much, you know, they're just sincere about their opinion as I am about mine. Live and let live, if you will. But to just not shut that down and be so closed-minded about it was, uh, was, um, and I can tell you that's not always easy to do for me because I'm like an opinionated dude and I really, I'm a problem solver. <laughs> <laughs> I can solve some problems. I can probably solve a few of yours if you give me, give me about 20, 30 minutes. You know, we'll go outside. We'll figure them out. Um, but uh, so anyway, um, you know, that, that, uh, and that started that trend of teaching me to be understanding, you know, maybe empathetic. You know, to, to to listen a little more and, and to, sh to shut my brain down. But I'm going to show you that was that's been a journey. You know, that's not something that's just boom. You know, um, like the Oxford Group. You know, boom. You know, it's all. You know, it's 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 a it's a process for me. Um, the uh, so that group, it was an awesome group. I mean, I I, I held some service positions in that group. Um, I fellowship with that group. Uh, that group saved my life. 
that was sincerely my place, you know. Um, so another story about that group is a few years later is that group, the church kicked us out. I mean, that sounds all dramatic. I don't even know why. I can get up here and tell you a great story. I got one too, but it's probably not accurate. And being as Jerry was there, it might not be worth telling because um, I wanted to be truthful. But for whatever reason, the church had asked us to leave. They gave us a time uh, to leave. And they scouted out some churches. Now, I have been driving 11 miles to go to this meeting. You know, it met three times a week. And I'm thinking, one is, we need a, a location that's closer to me. <laughs> and two, I don't want to meet on Sunday nights anymore. So, like, I'm going to, like, weigh my opinion in the group, right? So, uh, so we scouted out all these areas. But it turns out that the, the, the group, as we started to vote, about that, I'm not sure what sort of voting we did, but you could see, you could see the trend. Whether it was, you know, that group conscience starts to evolve uh, outside of the business meeting. It, it evolves in discussions. It evolves in, in the prep work. It evolves in the, uh, the, the general. You know, you can if you're paying attention. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm watching you. <laughs> you know, I'm watching you and I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm analyzing you and I'm like, you know. So I can pretty much see which way that the group is, is leaning, you know, and I'm not liking it much. But so, the you know, the group got up there and, you know, we voted and, and they did. They chose to go to downtown Fuqua Arena. So, like, that's another six miles. <laughs> I'm like, man, you are killing me. But, uh, you know, so, so they moved. But what happened there was that the group's decision that conscience was absolutely correct. Because when we got there, there were people coming in that had not had exposure to that message of Alcoholics Anonymous that I was privy to. And they were, they were, we were serving that community. I mean, it would immediately, you know, people were available to sponsor and help. I mean, we kind of had stagnated a little bit in that area. I mean, it was regular people were coming, but we showed up over in uh, Fuquay, we just got a whole slew of new people coming in. Um, and it was very clear, I mean, I even shared that in the group, it was very clear that um, that, that was the right decision. You know, we were able to serve, you know, and carry that message to, to more alcoholics by doing that. But, you know, there again, I mean, my sobriety and my experience in AA, and especially in my home group, it's all wrapped around those very same experiences that my initial response and thought is, you know, me, but the actions that I take are true. You know, so I've learned to through taking those actions that my my thought gets my thoughts get a little better, but they're usually quick to be selfish or concerned about myself more than they should be. Um, yeah, so that was that was an excellent group. So I guess we were there for a while, and and, and I got a bit of resentment because I was gone. For, you know, I was a member of that group for 11 years. I drove past two or three other perfectly good meetings <laughs> to get to my home group for 11 years. Um, but I did that for a reason, right? Because I had that connection. I had that, 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 that was my home. That was my home group. That's where I served. That's where I knew the people. They knew me. That's where I could tell if somebody was new. That's where I could, I, I could be a best of service. And to be honest with you, that's where I felt at peace. So I, I would have drove 40 miles, truth be told, you know. Um, but 
I decided that I was at that time we moved to Fuquay. We were sponsoring. We were sponsoring a lot of. Uh, I was sponsoring. Started sponsoring. I don't mean a lot. I don't mean that sound like that. But I was sponsoring people in that community, and I really had a longing to sponsor people in my community, my neighbors. You know, uh, my you know just people around me. So uh, we kind of went out there and, and we started looking and spoke with some. Some you know some my sponsor and, and got some some uh, feedback said yeah I mean that's you're doing it for the right reasons that's a good idea and uh, I remember me and Tony D driving around trying to find a church and you know we couldn't we couldn't fit in anywhere uh, there was a lot of Boy Scouts in the town at that time you know um, and uh, so it was really hard but uh, so we kind of settled on settled on the side for a little bit and then went at it again a little while later and uh, uh, found a church and, and they were just so willing to have us. Um, and we started to, uh, you know, prepare for, for that. You know, we, we Jerry uh, and some others hooked, hooked up about three or four of us together. And, and uh, the first thing we did as a group of four people was we prayed. We said a prayer. We said a prayer and we asked God's guidance on, on that group we were going to form. That, that, if it, it, that if it was his will, that it will be, you know, the meeting it needs to be. And, you know, that we can all just, you know, be available to serve it. And it was really, it was really a moving time and a moving experience. It was very humbling. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, we're going out. It was like kind of like, hey, apprehensive. You know, I think just the way it should be. But so we ironed out those those things, and, and we we uh, decided together. We got a group conscience on what we wanted to, what kind of message we wanted to carry. You know, um, and some compromises were made. You know. Um, you know, some of those folks weren't all that keen on the traditions, and uh, that was a showstopper for me, you know. So we studied traditions, and we give out chips. So there you go. And uh, so, I mean, it was just we met in the middle somewhere, you know, which was okay. I mean, that's, that's what we were supposed to do. And uh, we got, we got, we started that group. It was small, you know, and, but it was started for the right reasons. It was started... Uh, it wasn't started, like they say, with a resentment in a coffee pot. It was started, you know, for, uh, to carry that message in our community. And we met, I'm not going to say we go as far as to partner, but with our church, is committed to serving the community as we are. And what a blessing that is. And I immediately felt the presence of God in, in, that, in, that, in, that, in, in the meeting process and setting that meeting up. And I just knew that there was work to do in that community. Um, but so, you know, we sat there and, and, you know, we got together and we figured all that and we started our meeting. It was actually seven years ago, uh, February, February 9th. It was seven years we, uh, that meeting's been there. And, uh, and it's my new home. You know, it's, it's, where, it's where I find that grounding presence of God. That's where I find, uh, you know, I get to practice these things that I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and to step up and, and, and to serve, you know. And so the, my first group was, I say large, maybe it wasn't large as some of you, but it was kind of large to me. So this, this new group we started, at times there was only four or five people there. And it was, it was a different level of intimacy, you know, that was occurring there. It was, it was some real uh, raw, just, you know, solution-based discussions about what was going on before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting. You know, we were helping one another, and even we were. A lot of us were sober for a good many years, but we were we were helping one another. It wasn't just 
reaching out to help the newcomer. We were all we were all there, to, you know, to serve one another. Um, man, time goes fast. Um, so that group uh, is doing fairly well. They they actually they shut us down uh, due to the current circumstances, um, and we went virtual. But for about two months. But I can tell you, I got in my car every Wednesday night, and I drove to that church, and I sat in the parking lot, and I zoomed from my car, because it was just, I had to do that. I just prayed about it, and I prayed, what if God sends a newcomer out there? You know, um, you know and I just, uh, I'd like to say it was an altruistic, completely motive, but it was like, I needed to be there. I needed to get in my car and drive there and be present, you know. Um, and so, but they thank God they've opened us back up, you know. And uh, it's a small, a small group in, in, a, in, a, in a big room. And uh, so, you know, if you're all there, you know, please feel free to come by. Um, so I, I learned a lot of things in, in, in those two home groups. And I learned them from a lot of different people. I learned them from, from watching, uh, listening, and, and participating in the, in the tradition studies and, and in the groups and the business meetings and, and all those things. And I, um, I'd like to just talk about a few of them. Um, you know, I learned to be patient, you know. Uh, I've had the opportunity and the blessing to sponsor guys, and, and sometimes they come in and they're just wound. I'm pretty wound, but they're, they make me look calm. And, uh, you know, I've never been a patient person. But yet, you know, my home group and, and these traditions that are practiced in that group have taught me to be patient. You know, I, I never shut somebody down when they're in a frenzy. I try to look for a way to get in and to be of service, you know, to maybe help them, talk them off that cliff, bring them down to earth a little bit. If nothing else, just keep them steady, you know. What do they call it? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what they call it, but just right, get them right, you know, just, you know. Uh, what do they call that? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll think of it, and I'll just spit it out, and you'll be like, what is he saying? Um, uh, you know, to be kind and understanding and empathetic. I can tell you that I never believed anybody had a backache. I thought you were lazy. You know, I thought you just didn't want to do any work, because I was always a hard worker, until I hurt my back. <laughs> and I'm like, people really do get backaches. You know, look at that. But, you know... Um, but, it, but I learned that, that, that process, I mean, I joke about that, but uh, of being sympathetic and empathetic in the meetings, you know. Not immediately saying, well, that was stupid, you know, to somebody. Instead saying something like, well, you know, well, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, let's read a little bit, say a prayer, you know. Um, all those things I really, I didn't, I have the ability to navigate on my, in and of myself. Um, the, uh, I, I, so... It boils down to this for me, that if I can act the way I do in my home group, the way I did here with you all today, in my home, really, and work, you know, on I-40, <laughs> uh, you know, that everything runs smoother in my life. I, I feel the presence of God, you know. When I come here, and, it, and it, 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 it's no surprise to me, probably not to you, but that's why I feel those things when I'm here. Because I'm not acting like a fool. Because I'm not insulting people, or I'm not being rude or obnoxious. I'm too scared to do that, because I know you all shut me down. 
carry me out back, you know. Um, but, you know, that, that process of learning how to um, take what I, the way I act here in my home has been profound for me. And I, and I just, I'll share a couple quick stories. Um, a couple and quick typically don't work out for us too well. Though. But I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to be mindful. I know everybody's, you know, old Steve over here, he's, you know, his tacos are getting to him. And um, I'll throw a little holy water on you if you fall asleep. And uh, I'm just kidding. No offense. Um, so I, uh, we were in San Antonio uh, at the international conference. And, and I can tell you that I've shared this sometimes, but uh, that my marriage was in trouble. I'm not sure that with some folks that, that are here that know me, um, to the point where, you know, separation was inevitable. And, you know, I, I'd like to say I got the green light from my sponsor, but that doesn't sound like what it is. What that sounds like is that if you've exhausted and you've been doing everything you can, uh, maybe it's time you guys have a, have a discussion about what, it, you know, what's next. You know, there's no reason to keep punishing each other, you know. Um, you know, but in my mind, that was like a big green light, you know. You're free to pull the trigger and, and, and leave. But then I got immediately, I don't know why, we're walking along the riverway, I got immediately full of fear and I immediately responded with, I think I'm gonna go home and practice everything that I've learned in AA. What I didn't wanna do was leave and take me with me. And I was pretty sure that I hadn't been stellar in all these principles in my home. So when I went home, I said a prayer Got on a plane thinking about it the whole way. Got home. I left my wife with two young kids, and she works full time and nerd sports and doing all kinds of stuff. So I was immediately under the test, right? Because it was, you know, it was a stressful environment. But I can tell you that uh, I made the decision that I was going to basically act the way I do in my home group at home. That means I'm not going to try to control anybody, insult anybody, trying to govern anybody. I'm not going to try to dictate what's next. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to try to get you to, you know, nonchalantly do what I think you should do. And you know, in my very subtle ways, I'm, I'm in a master manipulator. You know, um, I've spent a lifetime developing those skills. You know, um, I'm doing it when I don't even think I'm doing it. I mean, um, so I have to be on guard about. It. So, so I went home and I, I basically. Every, I, I, can, I committed to that everything that was going to come out of my mouth, I was going to make sure it aligned with something, one of those principles. Was it useful? Was it helpful? Was it supportive? Was it understanding? I can tell you I had like nothing to say for a week. I mean, I'm not lying. Every time I got over my mouth, I was, I was trying to manipulate a situation, control an outcome. You know, even if I thought it was helpful, like I'm trying, just trying to save you from walking off this stage, you know, stop there, you know, don't. You're going to fall. I mean, people don't need that. I mean, people can see there's an edge. It's a stage, you know. Like, it's not my job to run around controlling all that stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of blown away by just how I really had nothing to say. Um, so, I can tell you in a week's time that that relationship was was substantially better. And nothing changed there. Nothing changed in my home but me. I changed and how I look at things. And I would say from that point to today, I am constantly on guard on what I'm doing at my home and what I'm not doing at my home. You know, I do good here. I do pretty good at work. They pay me, you know, I can, you know, 40, eh, not so much. 
But at my home, it's like for some reason it's free range to, you know, let loose a little bit, you know. Cut, you know, just, I've been practicing principles all day. You know, I just want to get my recliner and just chill, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that, that hasn't served, that hasn't served me well. You know, it dawned on me one day, I, I was in my home group. This is after that. Man, I get there, I'm like a gangbang. You know, I'm doing scrubbing and doing things and make coffee, cleaning up stuff. I'm like, man. And I get home and the first thing I do is complain that the dishes aren't done in the sink. And then it dawned on me, like, that was, you know, that was one of the kids' chores. And then it dawned on me, when is the last time I did the dishes? <laughs> you know, well, I work. I pay the mortgage. You know, I do all this stuff. You know, I mean, I shouldn't have to do the dishes. Well, yeah, I dirty the dishes. So it's those little, those little experiences, those little things that have edged, uh, you know, what I've learned in my home group. That, that bring God into my home. I mean, it's a spiritual, anytime I do something that's selfless or, or counterintuitive against what I wanna do that doesn't benefit me or serve me, I feel it's, it's in line with spiritual principles, you know? I mean, I might not always be communicating with God when I do it, but I feel it, you know? I, it's hard to explain, I feel it. And, um, and I've also learned that people won't give you a hard time for what you think. It's not till it comes out of my mouth that I'm in trouble. And I've tried to pull some back, but it, it, you just can't do it. You know, it's gone. And uh, so, uh, you know, I can say that um, I've had a few more experiences. So I, I uh, and, and I'll talk uh, about home just for one more, one more story, and then I'm just going to recap it at work real quick. But I... Uh, we, you know, in 2019, we moved my kids out of the house, and we moved them into a uh, into two different universities, my son and my daughter. And when I got home after we moved the second one in, I came home and I, I literally just broke down crying. You know, I I, I was at a loss. You know, I'd I'd uh, been a part of their lives and everything they were doing as much as I could, um, and I was full of fear. I was full of fear because I know I hadn't acted as good as I could have. You know, that's that six and seven, that, that path always narrows. And I was immediately stricken with the fear that I hope I had lived in a way that was attractive enough, like our tradition talks about, live in a way that's attractive enough that they would want to come home and be around me in the future. Um, it took a couple of weeks, but they did. <laughs> they came back. You know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous because I'm telling you, if, if I would have kept harping on things like the dishes and the chores and this and that, that relationship would have been damaged, you know. I mean, so it was clear to me that what was important was our unity. The same thing I have in my home group. What was important is that that relationship was solid. That's all that mattered to me. Not what they had done. There was no scorecards kept at that time. It wasn't what I did, what they did. It was all about I need them to be whole. I need them to be, you know, part of my group. They're part of my group. You know, I need them to survive, if you will. I know that sounds dramatic, but, you know, that's kind of how I felt. Um, close. Um, so, I would say from that time, you know, my, my sobriety has been filled with moments of, of clarity, you know, and, you know, and correction. You know, if I'm looking and I'm paying attention, 
I usually see this stuff in my home group. I mean, I really do. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's my anchor. It's where I let my guard down. It's where when we share uh, language of the heart and we share with each other, God can get in there and I can hear, I can hear what I need to hear. Uh, so when I leave there, I can go and act accordingly. Um, but, you know, it's that constant process of growing, you know. Um, the Alcoholics Anonymous really doesn't afford me the opportunity. Well, it, it does, I guess, but it's not going to serve me well to just stay still, you know. I, I not, I'm a far cry from where I was. You know, I don't know that you can really draw a line on a map from, from where I was to where I am with regards to any aspect of my life. Um, but that, that process is, uh, that recreation is a process of paying attention and seeking God's help to make the changes necessary, you know. Um, and and I, I hear those voices and I see those things and I see how I can act and I see how I'm supposed to act most of the time in my home group. Um, uh, I can say that that uh, relationship with my family now is uh, it's better than it's ever been with my children, um, you know, and it's been a rough year. I mean, we're no different than anybody else. You know, there's been all kinds of stuff going on and, and Steve was saying that one thing's for certain, life's going to come at you, you know, and it has, you know. Um, but through studying these traditions in, in my home group initially, studying them with my sponsor, sharing them with others, practicing them in my home groups, uh, that process of living those traditions and, and practicing those principles in all my affairs is, is really been the journey for the last three years, three or four years uh, with me, and it's really... It's made all the difference. Um, so when I, I, what that might look like, what that recently looks like and at work is that, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a group of, of, of everyone who's very educated uh, to, to not much education. And the traditions allow me to manage that, those people and, and to serve them. Because, you know, I, I don't always say, I never use words like I, me, or mine. It's us, ours, and we. You know, I mean, to just, even if I ask them to do something, you know, I thank them, even if it's their job. But I, I learned all that in my home group, you know. Um, my home group taught me that, you know. Um, I recently took a, a page out of uh, Jerry's uh, book where he, he, he tells a story once in a while about a scheduling issue. And uh, he basically just let them solve it, let the group consensus, let them figure it out, you know. Um, same principle you might experience and in, in, in see in your home group. And uh, I had that same uh, type of experience at work with, uh, I had tried three times to fix this problem. It was, a, it was just a document issue. They needed to create a document for our safety program. And they just weren't doing it. And I was trying and thinking, and it finally dawned on me one day, right before a meeting we were supposed to have, that I'm just going to ask them how to fix the problem. And, you know, I, I basically said, hey, listen, you know, our, our petition participation is really low. Um, I've asked two or three times to, to fix it. I'm not sure how to accomplish that. You know, you're a great group of folks. Uh, please figure it out. And they did. I mean, nobody made a formal announcement. Nobody sent me an email, but the documents started coming in. I'm like, wow, look at that, you know. So once again, if I just step out of the way and let just God do, do his thing, um, you know, things are going to work out much, much better than I 
than, than I anticipated. So, you know, my home group in Apple Anonymous in general has really given me a life beyond measure today. Uh, I'm, I got a lot of stuff that I tend to, to gravitate towards and, you know, uh, fear and, and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and Alcoholics Anonymous and, you know, it keeps me just ahead of all of that. You know, as, as much as I'm willing to put in to, to Alcoholics Anonymous and my home group and spirituality and, and spiritual growth, uh, am I met with the, with the rewards of that, you know, with the, with the peace and the serenity that comes with that? Um, it's not always, like I said, my, my journey is certainly no straight line. Um, and it all goes back to that I'm not alone today, you know, that there's a group of people out there that I fit in with. They're right here, you know. I mean, we're not all part of the same home group, but I, I would argue that we're a group today and that God is present. And the best I can see, we've been practicing traditions today. I think everybody's been kind. No, nobody told me, you know, hey, don't screw it up. Or, I, I could probably take that, but um, but in general, I think that uh, I think we're just living examples right now, right here and right now, what what our home groups should look like, you know, um, and you know what our what our home lives should look like, and what our work life should look like. And uh, I can tell you that I, I've I've gone places and done things with work that I really had no business doing. I still don't. I keep waiting for the phone to ring for them to just say, we found you out. <laughs> You're out of here, you know, just, you got to go. Um, you know, but uh, that's not the case. Um, every time I think I've got something figured out, uh, I'm usually wrong. Um, so I'm just going to wrap up. I'm not going to just try to fill these last four minutes with, with just stuff. Um, I just, I just really want to say that Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a lot of great gifts, but my home group, I think, is, is the most valuable. I think the sense of ownership that I've learned and, and, and have today about my home group, uh, you know, it's my responsibility uh, to participate in that. And I will say this, that I, that I learned always on that I'm not always going to be the most popular person in my home group if I'm being a good AA member. And I think it's, it can be a challenge to navigate that sometimes, but you know, you gotta, you know, protect that group. You know, you gotta protect its message. You gotta be one of, one of many, which I just didn't really practice very well. Um, but I thank you all for, uh, for letting me be here and for letting me speak and uh, God bless you.